y'all. I'm Allie Spears, and this is Ag Chicks, where we dig deep with the women. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Ag Chicks, episode 7. And this week is supposed to be another solo episode, if I follow the schedule that I've made thus far. However, my mother is here with me in Texas, so I thought it would be fun to get her perspective on some things. Um... Uh, probably some insight on me that I'm not aware of that may come out, but um, yeah, so mom, welcome to Ag Chicks, and um, yeah, this is my mom, Robin, and uh, say hello to our listeners. Hello, it's nice to be here and fun to be doing this with you as I've been listening for the last year or so, and uh, so yeah, it's fun to be here to do this. So I don't really know where to begin, to be honest, but let's talk about you, and let's talk about your, I guess, beginning in agriculture, and your roots in agriculture, and maybe a little bit about where I grew up, and how that relates to where you grew up, and all of that. Okay, well, um, so growing up, uh, my father and grandfather were partners uh, for a while in farming operations and then my father um, branched off on his own and did his own farming. So I was always around farming um, as a child but uh, it was more crop row row crop farming and not uh, livestock and uh, the animal side of it as I we are now or like your father is. Right. Um, so my grandfather was kind of a pioneer in our area with um, red, sweet red onions and squash. Um, and those were kind of, he kind of put Brentwood on the map with those, uh, those different vegetable crops. And he was, he was very innovative and did a lot of state-of-the-art things that I, of course, as a child, I didn't realize that. But um, he was always... Um, looking at how to best package things or um, grow them or market them. And so he was a little bit before his time even in terms of, um, you know, trying to grow his business. And he had a successful farming operation. So I would, uh, as a child, I would, uh, you know, help pick, pick squash, go through the fields when they were playing the fields, when they were cutting the onions and um, I remember my mother and my grandmother, particularly my grandmother, um, making boxes. So we used to have like a box maker and it was this big machine and my grandmother would have all of these, uh, cardboard boxes that are flat and she would have to fold them and then put them on top of this box stapler. It was this big, huge, like I can't even, I can't even describe this, this big, huge machine that she would step on and it would make the staples go into the box. So I would stand there and fold the boxes for her and then she would put them on this almost like a stake that would be sticking up. She'd put the box over that and then this big thing would come down and when she'd step on it, it's like if you think of a a stapler that you squeeze, when she would step on the pedal, the top would come down and staple the boxes. So I would stand there with her for hours folding the boxes and she would staple them and then there was a certain way that we would stack them so that you could maximize the space. Um, And then those boxes were ready to go when they would pack the onions or when they would pack the squash. 
Um, and so, I mean, I have, you know, memories of doing that in that barn that we now have that, you know, is our barn now. But um, as a child, playing in onion peels and making forts out of all the uh, boxes that, that they would use for packing and using the bins for houses and just that kind of thing. So I was always around row crop farming as a child. And then my father then later um, did farming on his own. And so we used to, you know, I learned how to siphon pipes and do pipe irrigation with him. And there's definitely an art to starting siphon pipes. We used to <laughs> swim. I'll never forget. He would get... And I'm all the oldest of three. I have three younger sisters. And so my dad would, your grandfather, would start the siphon pipes. And we'd come along behind him and swim in the canal. And then it, it disrupts the siphon. <laughs> so then he'd have to go back and restart the pipes. So he used to get mad at us. And he finally taught us how to start the pipes so that we, you know, we could help. So that was like a big deal when it was time to irrigate behind our house. Because we would go in our underwear and uh, swim in the in the dirt in the dirt ditches that he was making for the you know for irrigating the crop so um so that was my childhood uh introduction I guess you could say to agriculture and I never really knew anything different because my grandparents and parents always farmed so so after that did you think like did you ever see yourself back in farming and back in agriculture like no. after and probably too I mean I don't know. Obviously, things have changed a lot, but at that time, did you really realize, like, oh, I'm involved in agriculture, or was it kind of like, this is just what my family does? I had no, um, didn't really understand the magnitude of what my grandparents and my father did in terms of <clears throat> growing food for the, you know, yeah. growing food for the, for people, you know, that people would eat, that they would market in the grocery stores. I had really no concept of that um, on more of a, you know, wider scale um I definitely was raised with that like the you know I mean it sounds sappy to say love of the land type thing but I had a respect for that because I, I was around it like they always were worried about the weather and um you know rain was always you know such a big deal and and just that kind of thing so that soil, was just yeah soil and, and knowing that cultivate I probably knew words as a child that most kids didn't know cultivating, siphoning, you know, that kind of stuff that just was part of my, my everyday language and life that most kids didn't know because we lived in the country. Right. Um, but never really thought, oh, this is, you know, I love agriculture and, and actually wanted to kind of get away from it as I got older because we did live in the country. Um, and at the time, Brentwood is completely different than it is now, but there was really not, not that much in Brentwood. And so I always felt like I was missing out on, like, the real world. And in high school, oh, I could hardly wait to get as far away as possible. And, you know, didn't really have any. I did. I had animals as a child in 4-H, and I liked that part of it. Um, but never really, no, I really, to answer your question, I did not realize the impact that agriculture was going to have on my life at that time. I didn't, didn't realize the scope of it beyond myself, I guess. Right. So then, fast forward to, I guess, <laughs> meeting Dad and his involvement in agriculture. What was it like? So, for those of you who don't know, uh, my dad owns a vegetable seed and transplant company. So, heavily involved in agriculture, obviously. But a little bit different of, like, the traditional, like, farmer-type involvement to where he's helping the farmers get the seed, put the transplant in the ground, helping with harvest, like that whole process. Right. 
Um, so he's not, he, and we, we do, and we have had our own crops and our own, um, cycle of things just kind of as the years went on. Uh, but he really, we didn't do a ton of like large scale farming because he was obviously, that was his busy time because he was needing to plant or harvest or whatever, um, for other people. But I don't know where I was really going well, with that. I don't that, even but, know if you remember, we did. I remember we had tomatoes, we had corn, corn. we had hay, obviously, yeah. which you still kind of have hay. Um, yeah. And it was kind of like the, the cycle of whatever, you know, you we were, cycle. We were trying to, because um, when we when we ended up buying, so to go back a step back, when, um, when we got married, um, your father was very involved in agriculture, more f- so from a livestock right. point of view, like he, he had livestock as a child and raised livestock and was very involved in livestock. His grandfather was an auctioneer. He had always been around cattle and that kind of thing. So when we got married, um, he, I think the day we got married actually, or like, well, the day before, I think he bought like three sows. And when we got married, he was like, oh, by the way, I bought these sows. I and I'm like, what? And so... Um, that led us to Brentwood really ultimately because, um, my parents then offered us their barn in the back of their house to turn into our, our hog operation. So then for the first, uh, three years, two or three years that we were married, maybe it wasn't even that long, maybe a year, maybe first year that we were married, we stayed in Modesto and then we moved the cows and every, or the uh, pigs to Mod- or to Brentwood and um, we had a large scale hog operation for until you were probably. I was like three, I feel yeah. Because like, I remember the pigs. Yeah, I mean, it was a big opera. We had 250 and sows. I don't at one really point. know, like, what. They were show hogs, right? That's. Completely. They were. Yeah, it was not a commercial herd, it was a show, show herd. herd. So, um, and it got. It just got. <laughs> It got, you know, started with three sows, and then we had litters, and then we had a, we created a farrowing barn, and then with Grandpa's help, um, we, you know, we had all these pens, and I mean, it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and we were marketing to um, 4-H and FFA kids, and we had a really good, I mean, we had, you know, your dad knows livestock very well, so um, we had a successful heard at that point it just was a full-time job and this was while we were both doing our full-time right. job so his job was he worked for a seed company at the time uh, believe Harris Moran when we first got married um, and I was teaching so we had full-time jobs and then we had a full-time job on top of that with the hogs and then when you were born it was it was it was a lot. So we were just like, we, I mean, you, I think you were probably about three. I feel like three. I was three because I know Brayden was not born yet when you right, got rid of them. Right. But I vividly remember the hogs. So yeah. I was maybe three or four. Three or four. Um, and your father also was a, um, with grandma, they were um, community 4 right? swine leaders. Yeah. And so they had or like the, right. a very large group of swine uh, kids that took pigs to the fair. And, uh, we also did a lot of clinics at our ranch where we always had FFA kids coming and doing livestock judging. We had 4-H kids doing judging and showing. And so it was like a full, it was a whole nother full-time thing. And finally it was just like, this is a lot. Pigs are really hard on things. Um, and so we were constantly having to, you know, fix things and um, repair. And it was just, it just got to be a lot. So finally I think um, he decided he wanted to maybe dabble with cattle. And I said, okay, then we got we can't do the pig thing anymore. So his job 
He then went to work for Ag Seeds, which he is still, uh, he's an owner in that company now. But his, so he has this whole crop side of his agricultural experience where he um, started as a seed company, which it still is. And so they, they grow seed for farmers, but now they have a huge transplant business where a lot of farmers in our area, um, instead of buying the seed and growing the seed, they, they buy the transplant. So he has a very like almost like a scientific side of the seed business where he has a lot of um, technology that's involved in what he does because he has to have the, the plant rotations coming off at the right time and the, the greenhouses have to be ready to, you know, there's a whole, it's like a whole nother world. Yeah. So he has that that he does for, you know, his real job. And then he has the, the livestock that's always been his passion that he's done in his spare time, I guess I could would say. So, um yeah, and then the cattle that gets us into a whole nother. Yeah. Whole nother so, thing. I know. So, um, I think the trend of season two of Ag Chicks is rule rooted. I don't think there's been an episode thus far uh, that I haven't mentioned something about it. But my mom and I attended in April with a lot of the other ladies that you'll hear throughout the season. Um, and one of the jokes that we kind of said, and this is an ongoing joke in our family, but. Um, my dad doesn't do anything small or little. Like, clearly, you, I was just laughing because you said you started with three sows and then it went to 200. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that's a recurring there's, there's theme a trend. in his life. There's a trend here. Um, so, yeah, so I remember... Well, first I want to ask, going from growing up, being involved as far as, like, helping in the fields and that kind of stuff, and then getting married and not living on the farm but still living um attached to the farm I guess because you were still on that rotation and that clock and that seasonal cycle um what was that like as far as like having kids and dad still being like kind of new in the career and trying to figure out like I guess what am I trying to say the so okay so My farmers role. and ranchers right uh, a lot of like farm wives will say you know it's a season of singleness because you don't ever see them which I think that's very true but I almost think dad's is even heightened because it's he's not just worried about his field he's worried about a group of other people's fields so what was that like from raising a kid's standpoint and you also having a full-time job but yet having to balance all of that yeah um that's a that's a that question has got a lot of facets to it um so I don't ever feel like I parented alone I, I can't say that like your dad's always been involved with you guys or you guys have always been you know a part of what we've been doing so I I don't ever feel like I was like alone but yes like a lot of a lot has gone into our endeavors I guess you could say like when we did the pigs um it started out as his thing but very very quickly it became our thing because it took me to do it with him. It was not something he could do on his own. So um, I would, you know, when the, the sows were um, farrowing, I would go in and I'd have to pull the pigs, you know, a lot of times. And so the first time I had to stick my arm inside a pig, I thought, you know, what in the hell am I doing? And how did I get here? But there I was, you know, it's like you, when the sow is, you know, delivering and there's a pig stuck, you don't have time to, you just have to do it. And so I just learned how to do things kind of on the fly with him. Um, and I had to, you know, cut the eye teeth and dock the tails and, 
you know, do the ear notching and all that stuff. And so it definitely, be, it was a partnership and, and it just became part of what we did. And I don't know, like, I don't even know how we got there. We just like one day we're like, oh my God, we have 200 cells <laughs> and, you know, how did we get here? And so you, when you came along, you would come with us. You would like ride, you would I go remember in the riding, pig. You would I ride on them. riding my pig blue butt. Like I remember yes. that pig. I had a, I had a Duroc boar that your father, well, to this day, his name was Boris. I loved that pig. And um, you would ride on him or sit on him and lay on him. So there were many, many days where you would, your whole day would be spent playing in a pig barn, you know, just playing with the pigs or carrying the baby pigs. And I mean, you would just be out there with us just kind of doing it. Um, So there, there is a time in his season when he is very busy and we like, I, I don't usually drop anything too intense on him during that time, which is the planting season when he's in charge of, he has lots of farmers who, rely on him to get their crops planted and it's an intense time of year and it's it's the spring and so usually in the spring like you know we have very surface type conversations <laughs> I don't get into anything too deep and I just kind of learned that like during that time um you know and there were times when I would feel I okay I will back up I did feel I have felt and not so much later in our marriage but earlier in our marriage especially when you were young like I did feel alone during that time because it's like you know you just wonder, like, you feel disconnected mm-hmm. because he's very busy and focused on what he's doing. And so, yeah, there's there's definitely that, that feeling of disconnection, I guess you could say. Um, and then, you know, you get through it and then you start the whole cycle all over again. So, yeah. did I answer your question? Yeah. No, that's what I was getting at. So, we had the pigs. Yes. Then the livestock, or not the livestock, then the seed company kind of, mm-hmm. that took priority and then when I was nine um we had cows yeah he he honestly I don't think he's ever admitted this but I think he already had in his mind when we when we decided when we made the decision to sell the pigs and to get out of the pig business I think he already had in his mind that we were going to do cattle and I think I'm trying to remember like it's kind of a blur to me I don't remember like not having cows, but I don't remember getting cows. Yeah, like we I, I just, they just they were just up. there, and we had like from. that property in Tracy. Yes. Um, yes, we had a registered Black Angus cow herd. Yeah, um, and I don't even remember how it, we started. I don't. Like, I, I, don't I, I mean, he I got, think he got heifers from Thomas's, maybe. Yeah, he had. Something? We had different. Um, he had like four or five different breeders that he got. He got heifers from. And like everything he does, it's like we had a couple heifers and then next thing you know, we've got a hundred and then, you know, it's gone from there. And we've gone up and down, excuse me, in numbers, but I mean, always large numbers. Mm-hmm. And we've, we've, we've leased property in lots of different places. We've had some really cool um, properties where we've had, you know, cattle um, over time and different things. But yeah, and then next thing you know, here we are, you know, we've got a full-fledged cattle operation operation going that's no longer a hobby it's another full-time job right um and then when I was nine I was eligible to show so then we got into the Herefords because that was the cheaper route to get into the show cattle at that point in time no longer that way obviously um and then that was like a whole nother herd that took off because livestock showing really kind of became my thing Mm -hmm. I was involved in sports but then in high school kind of decided I like the animals and um my brother liked them but 
definitely was the sports kid. Yeah, I don't um, know if you remember. He got kicked. Yeah, at, at, at State uh, Fair. At, my Yeah. If you ask him, he was trampled for two minutes by a calf <laughs> and her cow, or a cow and her calf. Um, really, I'm pretty sure the calf, like, side-graced him and, like, maybe kicked him kicked on the way at, by. Kicked at him. Yeah, but um, ever since then, he was, like, scared of cattle, yeah. which is hilarious because he's 6'7 and huge. Um, I think he recently got over the fear, but... Um, he just didn't, it wasn't, he just didn't like He didn't cattle. like, yeah, he did not thing. like cattle. But yeah. um, he showed ghosts, which got you into your next adventure. Yes. Um, so let's talk about present time. What does yeah, yeah. fast forward through the cows? What so does your so your, your thing, farms look like now? Well, so okay, backing up just a little tiny bit. Your thing was the cattle, which we traveled all around the country showing cattle, and that gave your dad like that was right up his alley because that's always been his passion. So that lent to that. Braden didn't really like the cattle so much so I don't know I think it was on a trip honestly here to Texas when they decided they were going to get some good goats for goats and he was going to take a do a goat project in FFA because he was always involved in 4-H and FFA and he took animals to the fair and he took but he was like, and that kind of and thing no but, offense to anybody who like shows rabbit like i'm not saying that but like he took a rabbit like that yeah. was his like the first like year he, he, he yeah, was like the companion kid yeah. that like oh we have a pet rabbit so i might as well take it and get a ribbon type situation right. like yeah. he was not we started into it. he was not he, he i mean honestly as i look back we probably kind of forced the animal <laughs> thing on him it he loves pigs yeah because he did take a rabbit he as did. a mini member <laughs> and then and he would get so stressed out before the show, yeah. and oh and I my think God, he took a permit crab maybe the... one year or something like that, like as a pocket pet <laughs> or whatever. I think he did. I think he did as a pocket pet. Then he did the rabbit thing, and then he went to the pigs, and he actually really liked to, he liked the pigs. I think that's probably if he. I think yeah. if you ask him, that probably was his favorite. Because even though we didn't raise pigs anymore on a, a you know, as Large far as an operation, operation, we always had you always had pigs. pigs he yeah. had pigs, show pigs, and and dad stayed involved in the show pig thing. But, um, yeah, so we, then the... We dabbled in the sheep for a little we, bit, and then I had to shove a prolapse back oh, in, yes. in in the arena, and I pretty much walked out, hand the lamb to my dad, and was like, okay, cool, that was fun. <laughs> Don't need to do that again. Yeah. But, yeah, the goats, that was a whole... Yeah, that, so they got, they got these goats in Texas um, as his FFA project, and the idea was that actually, I think they talked about you and him having that as like a business and you guys doing show goats. I don't know. Maybe that came later. I don't know. I can't remember what came first. um, I remember going home and there being goats in my cattle barn and I was like, oh, I guess we're doing goats now. And then I guess like everything else. (laughs) Yeah. I guess that did kind of happen. It went from a weather to 40 goats. Like 40 goats. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the, so the goat thing, well, I mean, here we have these goats and, and Braden showed them. Um, and then he, like everything else, he's got to get the best, you know, livestock. He has a good eye for livestock and so he's not going to have bad livestock. So he got like the best does and the best, some of the best, you know, the best I say, good livestock, does, boar, um, uh, not boars, um. Bucks. Bucks. And, um, and then we turn around and we've got 40 goats. And we're having, like, there was a week last, was it last year? It was Yeah, it was Christmas? during COVID. Yeah. There was a week when we literally had goats every, we had a litter, or a litter. We had a um, goats kid. kid kidding every night. 
Um, and what I knew we were in deep when we went to uh, what is the name of that place? Baby where you Zara's? Go? No, 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 no. It's a um, I can't think of the name of it. It's anyway. It's a place where they sell like equipment, like farming equipment oh. and stuff like that. Tractor um, No, it's not tractor supply. And I'm like, what are you looking at? And he says, I'm going to get a, a camera uh-huh. to put, um, like, the place where we get the tarps and stuff. And you get, oh, I can't, it's like on the tip of my tongue and I can't think of what it's called. Anyway, it doesn't matter. He's looking at these cameras. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm getting a, a camera to put in the barn with a monitor. I'm like, what? So literally for a month we had a baby monitor on our nightstand with cameras in the barn focused on the goat so that we would know when they were kidding. And I'm like, how did we get to this? I mean, it was, yeah, so there we are. So we got through that, but we, I actually, then I'm like, okay, we don't even know what we're doing with goats. Like at least with pigs, we totally knew what we were doing. Cattle, we knew what we were doing. Goats, no clue what we were doing. So I'm like, okay, we are not just going to have all these goats and all these babies and not know what the heck we're doing so then I'm like like everything else I started researching and you know then I'm like okay we've got to give these shots we've got to you know this is how we need to to, you know help them kid them and all that and so now I feel like it's taken us a little bit of time but I feel like we're on the right track and we have a herd that actually they look really really good right now so um (laughs) we have goats so yeah, and you guys are both gone, and here we are with goats and cattle. Forty goats. Forty goats. <laughs> and because we got nothing still else to do. Still a decent-sized oh, yeah, cattle. Oh, still have a lot of cattle. And um, there's also one thing we haven't mentioned. Um, our newest venture. Yes. Uh, yes. Why don't you talk about that for maybe some people who... Don't follow Junk and Disorderly or haven't, don't know what I'm talking about. But so, yeah. Um, once again, because so, we do nothing on a small scale. I don't, I don't know if we would know what to do if we, like, had downtime, honestly. sometimes Or, I like, think- just a dog. We also, like, we have <laughs> not just a dog. Like, they have four dogs. Like Yeah. And, That's your fault. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. So, we have, we, I don't know what our deal is. We're crazy. So, I think, so, like, you know, everybody has, like, um, an addiction, right? Or, like. A guilty pleasure, like for my boyfriend, like it's trucks, or some people have cars, or motorcycles, or I don't know their thing. Their thing. Livestock is definitely his thing. His, my dad's thing. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So therefore, it's become your thing. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah. So when you went away to school, um, it was very hard on me in terms of you know just the fact that you were so far away and. Um, well, I am the highlight of your life, so well, there's that. Um, so I, I started doing a jewelry business. Oh, I forgot and that. <laughs> I know people thought I was absolutely out of my mind, but I just like needed something to do. I mean, and of course, I've, I've continued teaching all this time. So I'm actually, I am, I'm beginning next week my 33rd year of teaching, and this is my final year of teaching. I am retiring at the end of this school year. So. Um, I have taught for 33 years, uh, so that's always been going on with all this other stuff, just like your yeah. dad's real job has always continued on with all this other stuff. So anyway, I start selling jewelry, and one night I'm like loading 40 suitcases into the car after working all day, and I'm like sweating, and I'm like 
I'm thinking, what the heck am I doing? What am I doing? And then you had to like get people to agree to have parties. Let's just call it what it was. Yeah, it, it was, was it was, a, it was, MLM, a, it was a, MLM. Is that what they're called? No, um, Pyramid scheme. You live in a pyramid scheme, but it was definitely what is multi level multi level marketing. Thank MLM, you. Yeah. yeah. And I thought, oh my god, I have to get people to sign up to do more parties, and that was always on my mind. And I thought, okay, people are going to stop making eye contact with me because they're like, oh god, she's going to ask me to do a party. And I just finally was like, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing? And I had again because I am like your father. I had like. I can't even tell you how many necklaces, bracelets, rings. I still have like hundreds of them. So I thought, okay, this is not, this is not it. And then uh, we bought the house here in Texas and you and I started. Um, so I think I was trying to, my back, my point to why I started, I think I was trying to fill a void. Um, and so then when we bought the house in Texas and you and I did the decorating and we were like all excited about that and. Um, started bringing things back to people. People were asking us to get things. And then we were like, one day I was standding. Actually, it was the day we went to Joanna Gaines when she was still in the oh, little yeah, tiny, the little, original, the little shop. original shop. And I'm like, we could do this in Brentwood with our barn. We could turn our barn into a shop and do barn sales. And that's how Junk and Disorderly kind of got started. So there was, you know, it took a while to get to the point where you and I were doing it as a business. But my vision, and I even said this when I started it um, five years ago, I said, I have five years until I retire. I want this to be a business I can do upon my retirement. And um, I know people thought I was crazy. And um, I think we've actually grown it into a business that if I'm no longer teaching and I can give a hundred percent to it, I think it, you know, we, I think we have something here. So um, yeah, so we have Junk and Disorderly where we get our antiques and farm decor and vintage shabby chic stuff um, in Texas and bring it back to um, our barn in Brentwood. Now we have our own <clears throat> shop at home and we keep things staged and um, do barn sales throughout the year and try to bring our following and our customers um, cool and unique pieces that they would not find at Hobby Lobby or, you know, whatever your local decor store so one of a kind one of a kind things that we that and actually i'm i prides me to say that everything we sell is hand sourced yeah, by every us. even even mm -hmm. when we have bulks of product each individual product was hand selected yeah um, so we still keep a very i mean it's sometimes it's a lot but our hands are in everything yeah quite literally yeah. and figuratively yeah absolutely <laughs> And actually, it's taken your father. I mean, so if you go back and you look through our marriage, 30-year marriage, he's had all these crazy things that he's done. I mean, I've had some crazy things, too. I'm not going to say I haven't. But um, we've always supported each other in that. And so he was a little resistant to the whole junk and disorderly thing because initially we would clean out our working barn so that I could move all my stuff in set it all up, stage it, have a weekend sale, and then we would have to move it all out. And it was like well, a month process. Yeah, but I mean, yes, for that. But even just the logistics of getting everything from Texas yeah. to California, the fuel, the hotels, the all of that it's too. He was like, undertaking. what the heck are you guys doing? This is, you're putting more into it than you're ever going to make. But yeah, he kind of just, he had, he would make comments, but he would kind of waited it out the first three years. And then I think when he, when we had the barn sale at our ranch, when we had people lined up 
down the road mm-hmm. and cars parked down the road during he, COVID. During I COVID, he, yeah, because he did not want me to do the barn sale during COVID, and I said, "I have people waiting for junk. I have to do this." And uh, we did it, and he was like, all "Okay, all you actually have something going and, on." Yeah, yeah, I mean, I he I actually and I called the county and said, "What you know? How do we do this?" And got the guidelines and all that. And I think at that point he realized they actually do have something here. And he's been very supportive. So now I have my own shop that I can keep set up so that it doesn't literally physically kill me to set everything up and take it down because that it was a huge I, I knew I would every time I'd have Barnes I would cry, like, what am I doing? I can't do this, I'm too old, I can't move this stuff around, I can't carry this stuff. I my back would be like hunched over for a week afterwards. And so anyway, finally we kind of have things fine-tuned I guess so that it's yeah. easier physically on on my, and actually I had a barn sale a month ago like a, a day pop-up and he didn't even he wasn't even home yeah he came home and I'm like I had a sale without you and he was like thank you god so <laughs> the best investment of building <laughs> ever made and then so yeah so we've got our barn sales in Brentwood California where my mother and father still live We've got our junk journeys, which are guided shopping tours to Round Top, Texas, or if you have any other junk location you'd like to go to in Texas, we are flexible in that regard. Um, We are vendors at a couple different events, the biggest one being NFR, the National Finals Rodeo. Uh, We will be back in Vegas this year, so we're excited for that. Uh, If you're you're coming to Vegas, let us know. We'd love to meet you in real life. and then our final and fuzziest venture of them all. Yes. Um, we also have Scottish Highlands. Um, that was another thing. I think that's where I started with this and we Women. digressed. But um, another thing that my dad didn't do small. <laughs> you know, <laughs> some people, oh, I like Highlands, so I'll get a, a Highland pillow or whatever. <laughs> Nope, we got two bread heifers um, for Valentine's Day, I guess is what mm-hmm. they were given to us as, and they became our living brands, but then when you have bred animals, they give birth, and then two becomes four, and then it turned into two bulls, so then um, they got bred back, so then it was four, five, so we had six mm-hmm. at one point. Mm-hmm. Now we're back down to, no, six. excuse me, we, we had, had eight. six, we had, we had eight. eight. We had eight. So we had two um, bulls. We have yeah. six now. So we have the two moms and then two years worth of babies. So we have four babies. Yeah. So that's another. So we have six. So that's another venture. And actually, yes, we're, we have our living logo, which has been super fun. And they are such neat animals and live that the, they're majestic livestock and they're, I enjoy, I thoroughly enjoy them. Um, but like everything else, you can't just have all these highlands around. So we have yeah. to decide, are we going to show them? Are we going to, um, you know, what are we going to do with them? So um, that's our next our next decision-making meeting. That's our next Junk and Disorderly staff meeting. Yes. We have to decide how we're going to proceed with the highlands. But Yes. Yeah. Um, lots of things. And then <laughs> you're in Texas because um, we decided that it was a good time to try to sell and well you guys decided that it was time to sell and buy a house in maybe the hottest housing market yeah, that's ever. Been fun. So that's been fun. You know, just we like to add layers. So 
Um, at this point, we're very warm because we have lots of <laughs> we layers have lots on. Of layers. We have. We never lack for something to do. That's no, for sure. No. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything I missed as far as kind of agriculture well, one stuff. Of the, one of the things I was going to say is I I never thought or really desired to come back to agriculture, um, but. Because I ended up marrying someone who was involved in agriculture, it kind of brought me back to, well, I mean, we bought our home, our, we bought the ranch that my grandparents owned. And so we live on the ranch that my grandfather farmed on. Um, and we live right next door to my parents, your grandparents. So I am literally living in the house that my grandparents farmed in. Um, and on the property that they farmed on. So I couldn't, I mean, here I was like, oh yeah, I wanted to get far away and I'm actually living in the same house. So it's kind of come full circle. Um, and I have realized that, and I didn't realize this until I was an adult, until I was married and had kids of my own, that I wouldn't have given up my childhood for a different childhood for anything. So I can't imagine what my life would be like today if I had not grown up the way that I did and that was one of the conscious decisions that your father and I made about you guys raising you on a farm. We wanted you to have that, you know, those farming roots and that, you know, her that, that heritage that was both of ours. Um, and I think as children, maybe you didn't appreciate it so much. But as adults, I think you've, I mean, obviously you definitely have. And I think um, Braden in a different way um, has appreciated the way that you guys grew up because most kids have no concept of, you know, I'll never forget when you said to someone something about the semen tank being in the back of the truck and they, I can't remember where we were, but they looked like what? And I thought, Oh my God, like most kids don't even have a concept of like, you know, that whole thing. And so you guys just were raised in a different way. Um, and I think now as adults, you have an appreciation for that way of life. So Yeah, absolutely. And that kind of made me think of something that I know I've heard this from multiple people to where they kind of left farming or ranching or whatever their connections to agriculture may have been really never thinking of looking back. Um, but then it like finds you like it yeah, comes back. 100%. And that is something I can relate to. I didn't turn my back on agriculture by any means, but I just felt like I was not connected to it at all. And I think um, when I graduated and after I had been in my career, I just was like, I was angry. Like I was angry at my position or not my position, but like the how I was complacent, maybe how I become complacent in life. And um, it was getting back connected to agriculture that helped me kind of figure some things out about myself and figure out kind of the direction in life I wanted to go. So there's something to be said for the fact that it it's supposed to be in your life if it's supposed to be in your life right, type thing. Right. Um, but yeah, well, I think uh, any other thoughts or comments on the topics we've discussed? I don't think so. I think, um, I mean, it's been exciting for your father and I to see you take on this kind of advocacy <laughs> I can't advocating. say advocating advocacies I would you know uh, yeah um position because it's exciting to see we've definitely kind of seen it come full circle now with you so that you have um well it's a platform it's out of my box I mean if you would have asked me you know even two years ago 
well, I guess it's been a full year, but two years ago, I mean, I didn't even like talking to people on the phone. Right. And now I'm FaceTiming and Zooming people all over the world and creating conversation with all these different people. I mean, that's... Yeah, it's definitely giving you... I mean, I think that kind of goes back to your livestock judging. You know, your dad pushed both of you and Braden to do livestock judging, not because... He wanted you to be livestock judges, but because of the skills that it teaches you and how to communicate and how to make a decision and stand up for your decision and how to uh, communicate that decision to others. And so, um, I mean, both you and Brayden were very, you know, were successful with with that. And I think that has helped you with what you're doing now. So it's kind of like all your little, all your little dominoes in life, you know, they're all, all those things happen for a reason and they line up to point you in a direction. That is um, maybe not so clear at the time. Yeah, but yeah it's all part clear. of your path. Yep. So. Well, I think that's very insightful to end on. Um, thank you, Mom, for helping me get an episode together. <laughs> when you're desperate, call Mom. <laughs> um, and I hope that everyone who has been listening, I know I've said this multiple times on the past couple episodes, but I really do appreciate everybody's support, and thank you for listening and following along and um, I, I appreciate it. I no listen, no view, no download goes unnoticed. I promise. Um, and I hope that you are continuing to feel connected to the things that we're talking about and hopefully something, whether maybe today wasn't the episode that resonated with you, but maybe the next week will be. So I hope that you will continue to follow along and, um, thank you for, for hanging out. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Ag Chicks. Don't forget to follow along on social media at Ag Chicks on Instagram and Facebook, and that every episode has a visual version on YouTube on the Ag Chicks channel.